Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast. I'm your host, Saritha Viswasam. Welcome to part two of our Elder Abuse podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed part one, where we spoke with Seniors Rights Victoria to provide an overview of this violation of human rights. In this episode, we chat with members of the Family Violence Command of Victoria Police. Joining us today are Senior Sergeant Alastair Gall and Detective Senior Sergeant Matty Russell. In the first of our two-part discussion, we learn about their roles at Victoria Police and the role of welfare checks in establishing any unusual incidents that may be occurring at home for an elder person. To keep up to date with the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast, please hit the follow or subscribe button on your podcast player. Hope you enjoy the discussion. We're joined on the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast by Senior Sergeant Alistair Gall of Victoria Police's Family Violence Command, Policy, Projects and Regional Engagement, and Detective Senior Sergeant Matt Russell from the Family Violence Unit. Thanks for joining us today, Alistair and Matt. Yep, thanks, no problem. Thanks, thanks for having us and the opportunity to, uh, to talk about elder abuse. Fantastic. Well, we'll get started speaking first with you, Alistair. It will be great to learn about your position and, and role within Victoria Police. Yes, um, I work uh, Family Violence Command. I've uh, been there for five years, commencing in 2016. My role currently in the command, uh, I work in the policy projects and regional engagement. So a lot of uh, my work is uh, dealing with external agencies, sector agencies and a, a range of family violence situations. I hold the elders portfolio and I also um, am a member of, uh, of a few statewide bodies that... Uh, both government, semi-government agencies are party to, and dealing with uh, policy and strategy to uh, assist older people in overcoming potential situations of abuse. That's terrific. And, and Matt? So, yeah, I'm a Detective Senior Sergeant out at Box Hill Family Violence Investigation Unit, so that service is um, for Vicpol Eastern Region Division 1, um, and that sort of encapsulates the local government areas of, of Monash, Burundara, Manningham and Whitehorse. So, um, yeah, the Family Violence Investigation Units came came to being as one of the recommendations out of the um, Family Violence Royal Commission, where we have a um, specialist investigators that just address um, all aspects of family violence within that um, within that geographic area. Well, that's uh, interesting to learn. 
Alistair, can you tell us a bit about the Family Violence Command and what your team does? Yeah, I'm in the policy projects and regional engagement, so I'll start on the regional engagement side of things. I deal with um, uh, police and family violence investigation units, essentially out in, um, I look after Eastern Region. Uh, each of my colleagues, we've got five senior sergeants in at my unit, we've been allocated various areas, and we're the go-to person if there's a query about policy or strategy or um, any issue that may be affecting their local area, and we offer advice and um, assistance where required. Matt's been excellent in assisting with, A, my trial of the financial elder abuse trial, but there's been other occasions where um, I've been able to assist Matt and uh, maybe he's got an issue that requires some involvement with a state government agency that we deal with, uh, providing that contact details. Or if there's a, an issue, uh, he may have a report and he's checking on policy. And he's got his training officer in Eastern Division One, but they may not be available, and I'm the next port of call. As far as uh, the policy area, we contribute to our policy officers at the command and we look at that, all our, all my colleagues and myself, I've had over 20 years of operational police experience. I've been involved in family violence operational experience since 2006, so I draw upon my knowledge of uh, policing and assist policy makers to ensure that whatever policy is being developed or change of process, that... Um, it won't affect the front line too greatly and is, is workable. Policy projects and regional engagement, well, I look after certain projects. This is a project, the Elder Abuse Financial Trial, and I also look after the IT um, uh, improvements from a family violence point of view with our family violence report, L17, when it was uh, loaded onto our new IRIS device to, to enable members to start the family violence report in the field at the scene. So that, that's my main area. So essentially we're a point of contact for both internal and an external uh, partners. And as I say, a little bit of a sorting house, but we, we make people or bring people together oh, and that, solve issues. Oh, that's terrific. Would you say, Alistair, elder abuse uh, has become an issue that has grown in recent years? Yes, yeah, certainly. It's, uh, there's far more awareness of elder abuse in the community I must point out, in Victoria, when we talk about elder abuse, we're talking about it in the family violence context. In some other jurisdictions in Australia, it's any offence against an older person can be considered as elder abuse. But in, in Victoria, we, as post-Royal Commission, we talk about elder abuse in the family violence context because the majority of el elder abuse cases that we come across, uh, the, the perpetrator or the, the respondent is a family member, whether it's a son or daughter or a grandchild etc or another family member, auntie or uncle for example or a niece or nephew. Uh, events as such as World Elder Abuse Day which is on June 15th each year have certainly promoted uh, the issue to the wider community plus the Family Violence Royal Commission recognised that financial elder abuse in particular was a major driver of uh, abuse in Victoria. Statistics from uh, the Crime Statistics Agency indicate that uh, persons over 65 have been involved as a victim or a, an, a, an affected family member in 2020 were uh, 5,188 people uh, compared to 2016, which was 3,428. So 
there's a, been a significant, we're working off a low base, but there's been a significant increase in reports involving an older person. And in, as I said previously, in 50% of these incidents, it's the ad- adult child of that older person was the perpetrator of the violence or abuse. Mm. That, that's, uh, that's, that's quite quite interesting. What, with uh, the, what you've been noticing, Matt, as far as in, in particular monitoring instances of elder abuse, what sort of uh, issues are, are arising from the victims uh, as far as how they're being uh, in, how they're being treated? Yeah, it's. Um, I didn't previously have too much exposure to family violence. I've been in this role for about uh, eighteen months now, and, and certainly it's an aspect of our response in relation to family violence out in out in ED one. Predominantly, um, that more classic family violence in terms of physical abuse. I mean, it can also be psychological or sexual abuse as well. But certainly, uh, you know, part of this trial that we've run over the last uh, 12 months really centering on uh, financial abuse. So it was probably identified through the COVID period as well that we did probably see um, uh, some elder abuse a bit more at the forefront in relation to um, close family members of an older person. Um, For, I suppose, a a matter of reasons, but probably most specifically is, is, you know, people are remain within the house, no ability to be able to move out of the house through that COVID time. So that probably over the last 12 months has sort of been highlighted. Mm. I guess with uh, having those limitations of of movement uh, last year in particular, would you say that those that are getting, uh, those who are the victims are having less ability to project uh, issues that they might be facing at home? Yeah, I would say certainly, and it probably crossed the board to some degree, was the ability or the opportunity for people to report family violence through this period. Um, but as I say, across the board, family violence in general, um, a part of you know what we want to see in the community is, is greater levels of reporting, which has certainly increased over the last few years post-Royal Commission. Um, obviously, it's a, it's, it's a lot more in uh, on the media, in society in general, about sort of increasing family violence reporting. And I'd also say that uh, during the COVID period, a lot of external agencies uh, withdrew the face-to-face contact and regular visits to older people, so they're they're probably more isolated, and uh, Matt's certainly right, there may be uh, adult children, uh, whether the you know, uh, they lost their, their job or financial situation, may have returned home, and they may have also been involved in further family violence with their current partner and may have been excluded as a result of a family violence safety notice or an intervention order, and often they turn to mum or dad and return back to the family home. So, But I think COVID and uh, the lack of services, you know, you should maybe use Meals on Wheels or the local council coming to do that check, may not have occurred as frequently as... Uh, you know, pre-COVID, and so that isolation and also maybe the fear, embarrassment or or shame that uh, something may be happening within the home but they don't want to disclose it, whether it's to police or to their, you know, uh, local council or any agency, elderly citizens club, for example, or something that they have regular contact with because that's one of the the biggest drawbacks in uh, people reporting is that fear, shame and embarrassment that they don't want to get their family member into trouble. Uh, It's quite an interesting point you make because as far as the victims are concerned, you you mentioned that the rates of uh, elder abuse has increased from 3,000 to 5,000 between in the last five years. Would you say that that is a reflection of people being more willing to express 
the abuse and there's a change in that sort of sentiment or is that something that still needs a fair way to go? Oh, I think it's still a little way to go on that very much so, but I think you know, events such as uh, World Elder Abuse Day and uh, public awareness of the issue, particularly um, uh, in, in regards to financial abuse and uh, you know, incidents that are reported on the media where uh, family members may get that, uh, their mother or their father to sign documents that they're not fully aware of what they're signing, signing up for. Uh, certainly there's a much more public awareness of uh, elder abuse and I think that, that's uh, also been demonstrated by the amount of work that a lot of agencies, I think of Eastern Legal Community Centre in, in Matt's area, out in Box Hill and Croydon areas, uh, they, they've been very uh, prominent in uh, establishing a network. They've got a hundred different agencies that uh, uh, older people can draw into within that network but it's uh, getting over that initial fear, shame and embarrassment and getting them to engage whether it's with the police or an agency who can engage with the police. Yeah, I'd probably say that, you know, police doesn't have to be the first option. There's certainly networks out there for support for um, people that, you know, are finding challenging situations, but probably can't underestimate um, what Al puts there in relation to, you know, some of the barriers and that shame barrier um, in terms of confrontation with a family member, bring it to the police's attention. Um, and also, you know, a lot of people are... A lot of these victims, these older people, are um, you know receiving care as well from these family members. So we'll also that fear that that care element will stop or cease. Or um, so yeah, that that's quite challenging. But I say police aren't, aren't the first port of call. We we can be, but once the uh, if need be, and obviously if the risk is high enough. But it's about you know involving those support services that are available to elder people, older persons. I think it's w worth pointing out as well that some of the abuse may be unintentional. You know, the term carer stress, maybe mm. the, their, their parent, for example, may have certain cognitive issues and it's that daily grind and maybe a little bit of frustration creeps in. They probably still love their mother or their father, but it's just that repetitive and with COVID, maybe that lack of support, just to have that circuit breaker to just... Uh, ease the the pressure and uh, just give that time out for both the older person and and the, the carer themselves. So that's also another uh, issue that's got to be considered as well. Some of the abuse that does occur may be unintentional, but it still does occur. Mm. So what what other support services that elder citizens can uh, tap into? Uh, that you're referring to as opposed to going directly to the police? Um, well, for us out at Box Hill, certainly the um, the legal service provided through the... Uh, sorry, Al, I forget, Eastern... I always get Eastern this name. Legal Community Centre. Eastern Center. Legal Community Centre is, a, is a, um, certainly an avenue for, for people. Um, senior Citizens' senior Rights. Victoria. yeah. Again, and also um, in terms of family violence out in the eastern region where this pilot's being run, is uh, advice is certainly a yeah. point of contact as well for older persons and people more generally that are affected by family violence, mm. which is the Eastern uh, Domestic Violence, violence Outreach Service. Yeah. So, the, the, And the lo don't underestimate local councils as well. They've got a, a good network mm. of support agencies uh, that they can tap into as well for that older person. And we've got to remember some older people may have some cognitive issues and that makes communication and uh, understanding on their behalf of what, what their circumstance may be. And sometimes um, you need that independent view 
as far as to assess the, the what they may be experiencing because some older people may not realise that they are being abused or neglected in some shape or, or form. So it's that um, it's almost getting back to that local community and, and caring environment mm, you yeah. know, to look after because Australia is um, an ageing population and it's estimated in uh, 10 years' time, in 2031, that there'll be 5.7 million Australians residents that over will be over 65 so I think Australia's current population is about 26 million so you're probably looking at 20 percent of the national population will be what's classified as an older person in Victoria police we would classify an older person as uh, someone that's over 65 and in the indigenous community over 50 years of age Okay. Yeah, I'll, prob- I'll probably just touch on something there. Whilst I said a few times that police don't need to be the first point of call for advice, but certainly that is available. Every every uh, police station, twenty four hour police station in Victoria has has a um, a supervisor of, of sergeant rank there. That's the family violence liaison officer, which controls the um, the family violence and has uh, you know can provide advice in relation to different avenues to assist them with their with their issues. So. Yeah, as I say, once, one, whilst I say it's not the first point of call, it certainly can be if needed. Mm. Yeah. And, and also um, agencies on occasions will contact the police to do a welfare check. Now, it might be someone's missed an appointment and uh, maybe it's the local doctor and they've got concerns that that older person may have had a fall at home, for example, or knowing that they may be living by themselves. So the police can go along, do a door knock, make sure that person's safe. On occasions, we may do what's called a risk assessment welfare check. We might go out with an agency where they may have evidence that something's not quite right and the police can go and and often, in that case, there may be an adult there, a family member, and it could be a matter of uh, the mum. You could soon pick up that the mum kept looking at the son or the daughter. Is it all right to speak to the police? You know, the, the hidden body language, maybe have a look at the house. Is it in a state of disrepair? Is the hoarding? Is the you know house neat and tidy? And you m- may just have that underlying suspicion something's not quite right, and then the police and the, that particular agency can maybe work out a, some sort of plan to assist that person. Mm. Well, in terms of door knocking at, at, a, at someone's house, I guess there might be a natural um, reaction that, something's wrong or they've done something wrong how do you find the way the community responds to the police when they do a door knock yeah, generally it's positive because you may not go in uniform for example if you're going with the council you might just dress up in a you know yes casual type clothes and uh we're just visiting the area today just making sure um might be i've got alistair gore from victoria police he's just coming around to see what we do he holds the oldest portfolio with victoria police and it's just you know you i guess just do that introduction and try and make them as calm as possible because sometimes the the uniform can be intimidating and can be threatening particularly to that older person who may be suffering a little bit of fear or anxiety but we try and soften on occasions we need to soften that message and also what it does for the, if the perpetrator is living with that older person it shows them there's another set of eyes that are aware of maybe what the current situation is in that house and the dynamics involved and sometimes that really is that that one-off visit or catch-up visit will nip the problem mm. 
you know, it will stop stop the offending or maybe, um, you know, just that underlying, well, I don't know when the police might turn up again. Oh, that, that's, that's pretty good to hear because I guess with the perpetrators, they might feel that if no one's getting involved with uh, the with what's happening, that they can continue to do whatever they choose. Yeah, no, certainly, you know, as Al said, it's just a visual, not necessarily in uniform, but just a visual body's presence to understand that obviously there's been some reason for a report or the police attendance. So, um, yeah, it's obviously, uh, you know, even to perhaps when we talk about offending, even to disrupt that offending, having that initial contact with police. Mm. It's that early intervention mm. that's, um, you know, getting on you know, early, stopping what assistance can be given and then hopefully the issue may be out in the open because with, uh, particularly with elders and, and family violence overall, a lot of it's hidden behind closed doors or behind the, the, the hedge, so to speak, or the garden, mm. the garden fence or the brick wall or whatever. You don't always know what's happening inside, but with that older person, it's the reliance as they, people do get older on, on various services. Uh, there's been a lot of training I think of the integrated model of care through the healthcare networks that uh, the Department of uh, Fairness and uh, Families Fairness and Housing are undertaking. That's a good opportunity because a lot of referrals come to police via the healthcare networks and certainly um, out in the eastern area, Eastern Health has been fairly prominent um, in assisting with um, information that may filter through not only to us but to other agencies as well. We find agency to agencies can uh, resolve a lot of situations and the police, if required, as a sounding board. Mm. Well, that, that's, that's quite beneficial. In terms of examples of, of seeing an, el- uh, an elder citizen being abused and, and taken advantage of, do you have any uh, that you could share with us as far as how uh, you know, you've been able to pick up on some, some clues and how, how that's been able to be... Uh, determined and, and and ultimately stopped? Well, I think just as uh, Al alluded to there, the, you know, the, the objective of the welfare check on people um, is to, you know, make a professional judgment in relation to what's occurring there and certainly speaking to the older person and then uh, gleaning any information and then obviously looking at, you know, what other um, information we ha- may have in relation to that person or the close family members uh, in, in relation to... Um, you know, assessing the level of risk for that person. So, yeah, as I say, just coming through that that contact to start with. And, you know, we have information sharing schemes with um, uh, other agencies as well, and it's about, you know, making inquiries with them also in relation to what information they may have in relation uh, to the relevant parties. And in particular with financial abuse or potential financial abuse, what we're finding is the, the banking industry is a lot more proactive in um, mm. assessing uh, incidents where an older person or a family member may come along with the older person to the bank and maybe withdrawing significant sums of money which is out of the ordinary for that older person who may withdraw for argument's sake two or three hundred dollars a week all of a sudden it's twenty or thirty thousand dollar um, withdrawal in um, in our southern region in the Frankston Mornington Peninsula area uh, Southern Health and the ANZ Bank conducted um, uh, elder abuse training for Southern uh, Peninsula Health, um, conducted uh, elder abuse training for the ANZ st- uh, staff as part of our um, 
uh, elder abuse, financial elder abuse trial, and gave indicators of actions or body language or, or certain factors that may just uh, give a clue to the, the bank teller that there may be some, some abuse uh, happening within uh, the dynamics, particularly of that older person who may normally come to the bank by themselves all of a sudden over a short period of time may uh, be coming with another family member in unusual amounts be withdrawn. Um, in Matt's area, uh, several months ago, earlier this year, National Bank became aware of uh, some unusual transactions and uh, basically put a stop payment into that client's account and then liaised with Matt to see if there was actually any criminal uh, behaviour. But unfortunately, with financial type matters, there's, it's that paper trail and... Uh, with, uh, I think, the, the power of attorney did allow them to take certain uh, funds, but not to the amount that was happening. So it was that early intervention, Matt, wasn't it, and uh, mm. advice given that the bank managed to stop uh, payment and refused uh, those, those withdrawals, keeping that, protecting that person's assets. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, it's certainly good to hear that banks are being proactive in in identifying these patterns of behaviour because these interactions that the the members of the community are having with the banks or the healthcare services, etc., are really the first signs of, of it actually taking place. Yeah, no, certainly. You know, um, uh, police attending, you know, an incident uh, aren't, aren't going from their perspective necessarily identify, you know, what's what's under the um, what's under the rug in relation to financial abuse. So certainly, working in with these other um, agencies in the bank, and that's just been probably the success of this trial yeah. we've run over the last twelve months is just. Um, really relationship management, you know, and, and getting everybody in the same room, whether it's banking, whether it's health, whether it's um, uh, legal services within the area or council, just so we're um, all aware of, A, how each other operates, and B, how we can assist in terms of uh, understanding, from our perspective, agencies understanding our processes and us having an understanding. So it's, um, yeah, it's been great in terms of just that relationship management and that flow of communication between uh, the agencies and the support services. And I think it's good to point out as well, um, we're talking about examples of tens of thousands of dollars maybe getting withdrawn, but also it might be a case of a, a family member doing shopping on behalf of the older person, and the older person, because older people are very trusting, may give a credit card or a debit card to that older person, uh, sorry, to their, their family member from the older person, and it might be there's $150 worth of shopping, but that uh, person doing the shopping may take $50 cash or maybe buy some groceries for themselves, where the older person, if they asked, would say, yeah, that's not a problem. Because it's not asked, it's actually theft because mm -hmm. they're, they're drawing uh, that person's money out to buy something for themselves or cash for themselves. And over a 12-month period, just even on $100 extra a week, it's over $5,000. It's those little figures also add up. And that's a form of a financial abuse or a manipulation or theft without the knowledge of that older person and all of a sudden the bank balance it might be too late. As I say, it's, the banks are certainly uh, a lot more savvy and aware of um, uh, accounts held by older people. And we've had great support from... Uh, the Australian Banking Association without the trial we've been running and we've certainly, each of the uh, four trial sites we've got across the state, we've got a, a representative from uh, 
various banks on uh, each trial. Matt's area is the National Bank. Southern area is um, ANZ, Bendigo is the Bendigo Bank. And also um, down at Morwell, we've got the Commonwealth Bank as part of our, our trial. So we've had great support in the interaction with the banks. Mm. Yeah, it's... um, And you know, probably whilst uh, Al spoke a little bit more about that unintentional... Um, uh, you know, financial elder abuse, or that, or probably that creep, as you perhaps yeah. were describing just then. There is also that outward intentional, um, you know, crimes committed by family members yep. against uh, against elder abuse. Whether it's, um, you know, and again, quite complex as well when we're dealing with tower powers of attorney and, and elder people's capacity in relation to how to, how to um, you know manage their affairs. But uh, some of the members, as I say, my unit specifically, you know, probably looks at the more serious and complex matters of, of fraud. And uh, you know, where exploitation of, of their um, you know older relatives in relation to um, you know finances. A lot of people have you know uh, large nest eggs, um, you know substantial property holdings, and um, certainly there's motives in terms of uh, the general greed or or whether we have um, you know, family members that may have um, you know substance abuse issues as well. Um, so certainly. Whilst we speak of this unintentional and smaller stuff, we also have some pretty high-level offending as well mm. that's out there. That concludes part one of our two-part discussion with Senior Sergeant Alastair Gall and Detective Senior Sergeant Matthew Russell of Victoria Police. Please continue to listen to part two, where we learn about Victoria Police's financial elder abuse trial, which seeks to address financial abuse that is being taken on elder persons. Thank you for listening today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.